0: Welcome into the Illini Cast. I'm Austin Berkland alongside Sonny. Sonny, how's your uh, week gone?
1: Uh, it's pretty chaotic. I'm spending way too much time on all this realignment talk, uh, reading every article I can read, watching every YouTube I can watch. Uh, I'm waiting for it to die down, but I don't think it's be going to be dying down anytime soon.
0: I know X has just been incredible, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, I mean, (laughs) you are off it for two seconds, and then you have another school that's complaining or another school that's plotting their next move. I mean, it just makes me so thankful, like I said last week, that Illinois is in the Big Ten.
1: Oh, super grateful, super grateful. Yeah, my phone keeps going off with a new Pete Thamel article, a new Matt Brown article, who, by the way, Austin, we're going to have later on in the show, he's going to Give us a little look into uh, what's going on with the Big Ten and uh, the Pac-12 schools. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, and this first part, we are going to talk about like some of the things that we're looking forward to during training camp, which kicks off uh, pretty soon uh, for Illinois football. And I am so looking forward to that, hearing about the reports, hearing what Brett Bielema has to say about various topics. But uh, tis the season of talking about football, yet the the off-the-field madness is just still going on and it might go on up until that first Thursday of Week Zero.
1: Yeah, I mean, things could be different if Brett let, you know, uh, journalists onto the field and watch training camp, but, you know, that's kind of been one of Brett's staples that he'll give you, what, like 10, 15 minutes to watch and then everything else is shut down to to the jur- journalists so i guess you know we're gonna have to distract ourselves with realignment talk for a little bit longer
0: yeah a little bit uh hopefully the pac-12 makes some decisions within the next 36 hours whether that's arizona arizona state and utah leaving whether that's uh, them staying together at least just one more one more run trying their best uh <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of A lot of balls in the air that right now that we just don't know who's who's going to catch them, whether that's the Big Ten, whether that's the Big 12 or the Pac-12 themselves. Yeah.
1: Speaking of decisions that need to be made, Austin, uh, the first thing I was thinking about when we were talking about things I'm looking forward to with the Illinois, uh, the training camp is how soon does Brett make it official that Luke Altmyer is a starting quarterback?
0: I think that's going to be done rather quickly. I think that's going to be done maybe after the first week of practice, make the illusion of competition, and then really give Luke Altmaier the confidence that he is going to have uh, for that week one game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's so integral to our season this year. Uh, As long as we get average production out of him, uh, I think we can be a seven-win team. I'm afraid, of, uh, you know, if he doesn't quite, if he isn't quite ready yet or if he gets hurt, you know, not that, you know, Sikowski was a great backup, but I think he would have been an improvement to what we have as our backup this year. You know, I know we have uh, Paddock and um, the younger kid, uh, Leary. So, but I think we're definitely going to need Altmaier to, you know, kind of show himself in training camp and produce and, you know. You, I, I agree with you. I think it's just a matter of time before Brett officially gives him the keys and uh, announces it to the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, I think quarterback is important for this team, but whenever you have solid trenches in both the defensive line and the offensive line, you have a solid linebacker core. You have some young state, you have some young defensive backs, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I feel like quarterback is just going to be a game manager at Illinois because that's how Wisconsin won in the past outside of the Russell Wilson year. So if you just get any sort of production like a Tommy DeVito level of production, this team can make a bowl game and this team could be even better than they were last year, which is crazy to say with all the talent that they lost, but they're still retaining a lot of talent as well. So I just want serviceable play from the quarterback decision, from the quarterback's position. Just make smart decisions on the field, don't think about it too terribly much. Just get the ball down the field and then hand it off to that great running game that you have.
1: Which leads me to the next thing I'm looking forward to. Who runs away with the number one running back job? Uh, Is it Reggie? Is it, you know, just Josh McCray bounce back and look like the Josh McCray of his freshman year? Is it uh, one of the younger freshmen that we got? Have you heard anything?
0: Uh, I have not, but I think it's going to be a running back by committee. I mean, I, I think all those guys offer so many different traits. You don't have that workhorse number one runner like you did last year. But I don't think that it's going to be a hindrance to this team because in the world of football anymore, it, it's it's running back by committee unless you have that stud. And I think that's going to be perfectly fine with with Brett Bielemut to have some fresh legs at all times uh, throughout a drive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I say this from a spoiled front. Like, I know at the end of the season, one of the guys will have ran for nine hundred yards, a thousand yards. Uh, for me, you know, there's just a, a little excitement in the beginning to see if, you know, I remember following Love's recruitment. You know, when we were trying to get him out of, uh, I think it was St. Louis. Um, yeah. You know, so you know, he looked like he could be the guy last year, and obviously, the Chase Brown was such a focal point on our offense last year that. Sona is going to have to step up a little bit. And I think this is just a part of being in an up and coming program and having trust in your coach that we get to see all the pieces that he's brought in and we can kind of see how it's going to work out as opposed to, you know, under previous coaches just hoping it would work out.
0: I mean, you look at how. Illinois football has operated in the past uh, with Gere uh, Thomas. He was not he was not the workhorse back. You had E.B. Halsey as well with him. I mean, it, the list goes on. You haven't had too many situations outside of Richard Hall and Chase Brown that have really taken that running back position by hold. Uh, I think it's a lot of been running back by committee, and I think that uh, keeps going. And – I, I think there's a chance that they can possibly get into a little routine these back these running backs who were backups last year because Chase was that workhorse, so he could never, so they could never get into a solid rhythm of reading the right uh, holes to go through because those touches weren't available uh, week to week.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. What are you looking forward to, Austin?
0: I am looking forward to seeing how these young defensive backs uh, really develop and uh, showcase what they can do on an actual game field because you lose Devin Witherspoon, you lose Sidney Brown, who is with my Philadelphia Eagles, by the way, and looking to be the first string uh, starter for the Philadelphia nice. Eagles, which is just crazy. Uh, the development that he's gone through, seeing his recruiting process all the way to where he is now, it's just been an unreal scene. But I do think that the the – way that Aaron Henry is going to develop these, uh, these safeties. You have Jim Leonard as your defensive analyst. Now, I think that these guys are going to develop pretty nicely and be a uh, really good, a good backbone uh, for this Illini football team. That's that nobody's really talking about.
1: Yeah. I mean, if our secondary, you know, I kind of said the same thing about the quarterback, but if our secondary just gives us B effort, and be showing, like, the front seven will take care of everything else. You mm-hmm. know, they'll take – their goal is going to be at the quarterback in two and a half seconds. So the secondary just – you know, you just want to see him grow. You want to see, you know, Aaron Henry and uh, I think the new de- defensive back to coach Finicius. Um, You know, you want to yep. see them really teach the young guys. And, you know, like you, you were talking about Sidney Brown, you know, that's what we're going to develop you you into. Just listen to us now.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of these conversations we're having, these guys might not be the most proven guys, but I have faith in the entire coaching system that Brett Bielema has. I'm just like, oh, they'll develop that guy. Oh, they'll develop that guy. Right. Oh, they'll <laughs> develop this position. I mean, the list goes on of like every single position. I'm like, well, they're young. They're inexperienced here, but I'm like, Well, Brett Bielema is one of the best coaches. They have a really great coaching staff around him. I think they'll develop him at least in a serviceable uh, state where I don't think there's going to be that many players where you watch on the field and they're like, oh, he's costing us the game right now. I don't see that happening too much uh, this year watching Illinois football week to week. It's crazy. You
1: know, just talking about Illinois football and not being worried about that.
0: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Like we went from Tim Beckman, who was a just a mess every single week, every single year to Levy Smith, who had some moments in the sun. But now you have a proven uh, guy that offers consistency, that offers a true floor for what Illinois football can look like. It's it's a blessing to see.
1: Yeah, we're super, super lucky. Um, what about center? I think that's another thing that uh, we're going to be hoping that, you know, Josh Kroots kind of, I think basically, you know, once Avery Jones, you know, turned his back on us last minute, I think, you know, I think we explored other center options, but I think Brett and the staff is going to give Josh every reason uh, to win that job. I know supposedly he's undersized, but I'm hoping training camp proves that he'll, you know, he'll be able to step up and you know show little glimpses of his father
0: i mean we've had some undersized guys that have done really well in the Mm -hmm. past like um you think nick alec he doesn't have ideal size and now he's a two-time super bowl champion uh you see Mm -hmm. kendrick green making snaps for the pittsburgh steelers and he started out as a little undersized compared to what an nfl offensive lineman is if you just offer a little bit of solid gameplay during practice, I feel like that the coaching staff will have full belief in in Josh to handle those center duties.
1: Yeah, you figure he's going to, if he has even 50% of his dad's moxie, that, you know, <laughs> he, can, he can be that leader of the front line. And, you know, when you have the coaches and the coaching staff that we do um, teaching him, you know, it, this is, it, it's a big concern, but it's not that big of a concern because I think he's got the right genes. So it just needs to be coached up. And that's one thing I'm not worried about this Illinois football team anymore.
0: I mean, I'm not really watching in terms of like concern for this next thing I'm about to say, I'm just watching out of pure intrigue. I'm watching out of how good can these guys be? And that's the law firm. I mean, the law firm has just been a sight to behold for Illinois football. I, I can't remember the last time. Maybe it's back when Simeon Rice was playing, and they are whether they went one and two in the draft or two and three, whatever it was back in the day. There's not been this dominance in a long, long time by two Illinois defensive linemen, where they are rivaling, rivaling, rivalry. Uh, that <laughs> word um, of. Michigan, of Ohio State, of Penn State. I mean, it, it's it's amazing to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, Newton could very well be the first defensive tackle taken uh, in the draft next year. Uh, we're yeah. super lucky. I, I love, again, you know, this is now a Brett Buma love podcast, but, you know, his strategy of using the NIL funds to kind of keep the talent in-house, it, it worked because it keeps a guy mm-hmm. like Newton. It keeps a guy like Randolph on our line and you know you know newton may have been you know a day one or day one or day two draft pick last year but now you see the publications coming out where he's listed in the top 10 defensive linemen in the country you know he's getting that pub uh, about hyping the illinois defensive line you know going up you know being comparable to that of ohio state to michigan so at this point i'm just hoping those guys don't get hurt because we got really lucky last year that uh you know, the injury bug didn't bite us too badly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be an underrated one to watch, uh, the specialists. I just kind of want to see how all of the specialists uh, go with uh, our field goal kicking and then, of course, our punting. Our punting wasn't the best last year, so I'm, I'm hoping to see some positivity on that front. So uh, I think specialists could be a cause of concern, yet uh, a cause for opportunity as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had the, what the the butt punt last year, which yeah. uh, you know, which is you know, funny because it's kind of the opposite of what was going on the year before, where we had Pat McAfee, you know, tweeting out uh, our punters' punts that would basically for the p- brand, for the brand, right, right, right. So you know, we kind of went 180 on that position, but he he rebounded, you know, the last couple games of the season. I know he's a he's a little older. <laughs> close to 30 now i think so you know yeah. with a, another full off season you know just to work out his kinks you know they we just need them to be good you know just mm-hmm. just don't lose us games anymore don't our defense is great just don't have them start uh you know on their own 15 and have to you know give up points that way
0: i think illinois's consistency from last year to this year Yes, you lose, you lost a few major parts, but when you have Iowa that still has not figured out an identity, when you have Wisconsin that is changing everything about their identity as a football program, this is a true opportunity for Illinois to take full advantage of this last year of the Big Ten West and, um, and be that team that represents the West in Indianapolis. I, I don't see a lot of reasons why that's not possible. If you just get average play from your quarterback, when you get some some quality kicks from your specialists, you have a great offensive line. You ha- your defensive line is legendary. There's just not a lot of cause for concern. when And we haven't even talked about the wide receivers yet, which we will here in a second. I, I couldn't be more optimistic. Up- optimistic about this Illinois football program heading into this Big Ten West?
1: I don't know if it's me drinking the blue and orange Kool-Aid or what, but yeah, in my season preview, my season predictions, I have us winning the West. You know, I think Mm -hmm. it's all going to come down to the quarterback position. Everything's contingent on him. Um, If he can give us basically the, you know, baseline average, you know, eighth, ninth best quarterback in the conference, I think we have the pieces in place everywhere else. That, you know, I think Iowa's obviously very good because their defense is always good, but they always have that cloud of their offense, uh, you know, above them. Wisconsin, I know a lot of people are high on Wisconsin, and I think the Fickle hire was a great one. But it's going to take some time. I don't think that they're going to be able to implement all of Fickle's uh, system all in the first year up in Madison. There's going to be some growing pains. So I think this is the year where... uh, this is our best chance to make that championship
0: game uh, coming out of the West. Absolutely. I mean, this is the last year for it. After this, it could just be Michigan versus Ohio State, Ohio State versus Penn State, USC versus Penn State. I mean, uh, it could be crazy after this year, uh, seeing the repeat matchups that we might be seeing in the future. But looking at it this year, Illinois is in a really good position to make some noise and – I, I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I said we were going to go back to the wide receivers. What are What's your confidence level in this receiver group this year?
1: I think I'm, you know, when uh, our staff took over, our wide receiver room was the worst of a bunch of very bad rooms. Yeah. You know, there was just, you had Isaiah Williams. Uh, you had, you know, you had four-star prospects who came in but never really panned out. Uh, you know like uh I'm talking about like transferred in like high tower and whatnot. They didn't really end up elevating our room. Um like we were excited for them being. Now, you know, between uh Casey between Williams uh the Pat Bryant a lot of yeah, I've been hearing a lot of positive things about Pat Bryant. Um yeah. I think you know we have three solid guys and more importantly, we have you know, you know, what does Elsie do? You know, is he able to, you know, perform as a uh, freshman he's one of the most hyped prospects we've had in a while i'm rooting for him so it's it's nice that we have so much talent at at the position and it's no longer one of the three or four things i'm always you know worried about
0: Uh, absolutely i mean and that's not even mentioning Hank Beatty out of Rochester. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he he was a sol- he was a solid pickup. He was Gatorade Player of the Year for the state of Illinois. And now he's a sophomore, and I, I can't wait to see how he develops this year. And then Casey Washington is uh, this veteran that has had a quiet career at Illinois after uh, he transferred and then came back and back. and all yeah. of that. And but on the field, he's been quietly steady as a good wide receiver for Illinois so i'm excited to see what he does in this year with luke altmeyer um so to see these connections with the with the receiving core is going to be awesome to see
1: yeah i can't wait we're uh i think just about 30 days away from kickoff and uh, it's genuinely i think the most important season for illinois football in recent memory just uh I think, you know, if we take that next step, if we can win eight, nine, you know, if we get lucky 10 games, like that excitement will come into next year because we are rebuilding next year. We're going to be losing a lot of play, players next year. The law firm is going to be gone next year. So, it and we play a killer schedule. I think we have USC, uh, Mich- Michigan, and, uh, and Ohio State or Penn State, one of those. So, you're talking about like just a brutal schedule with a bunch of young guys playing. Um, I think doing well this year will set forth enough positive momentum moving into next year and the years after that, that we'll be able to deal with, uh, you know, the bump in the road growing pain season and just take it as an exception, as opposed to the norm as it was in previous administrations.
0: And next year, there's an obvious tier one with, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC. There is a true opportunity to be that number one team in that tier two. And I know that probably won't lead to many Big Ten championships and everything, but what it will lead to is solid recruiting to where you can not ever lock down the state, but start getting that top five of the state of Illinois in recruiting. So I think that's going to be crucial and i mean absolutely crucial to have this good year so you can use that as a recruiting point uh to showcase the to the guys that ryan walters is is recruiting to like hey that this was all brett bielema this wasn't ryan walters because we have we have aaron henry right now who is a stud defensive coordinator as well brett bielema is the star maker not ryan walters (laughs) so i think i think next year could be huge for that and then of course uh showcasing to uh that Chicago area kid that, hey, we're still better than Wisconsin. Wisconsin is years away from implementing this air raid offense. So I think there's a crucial, crucial year ahead of for Illinois.
1: I mean, we may not be able to have expectations of going to, you know, the Big Ten championship game because of the reasons you described. But when the college football playoff moves to 12 teams, I mean, you're talking about three or four of them possibly coming out of the Big Ten. And I think if, Brett can take our program to where I believe he can go. Like, I I do genuinely think that that could be the goal uh, of every preseason, to try to land one of those spots. You know, yeah, we may get steamrolled eventually once we run into the Alabamas or Georgias, but just getting in the co- into the college football playoff is going to help with the other things you mentioned. You know, it's going to help with recruiting. It's going to mm-hmm. help with, you know... Um, the public persona that we have. It's going to help with Chicago. So, you know, just because one goal is going to seem more elusive uh, in going to the Big Ten championship doesn't mean that there's nothing, there's not something else that we can look forward to. And that is the college football playoff opening up once it gets to 12.
0: Absolutely. Hey, we have uh, Matt Brown coming out. No kidding that look, that's exciting keep listening after this short little blip then we'll be back with Matt Brown welcome back in to the Illini cast and we're joined by Matt Brown of extra points Matt it's a pleasure to have you on the Illini cast
2: Thank, thanks for having me it's uh been a hell of a week i um, glad glad to take a couple of minutes here
0: to chat
1: yeah I'm absolutely surprised you have a couple of minutes i mean <laughs> with the way these tweets have been you know being all over twitter right now everyone's making phone calls trying to find out what's going on um and you've been right on right in the front
2: uh th- this is not how i was hoping to spend the beginning of august but this <laughs> these are the times that we live in this is the beat right because this is these are the kind of stories that are, are really the bread and butter of my publication. So these are, this is when I need to be hitting the hitting the phones to figure out what's going on.
1: All right. I do want to mention. Uh, I do want to mention for Matt, uh, if you follow our Twitter account at IlliniCast, I retweeted his article where basically he's made a couple phone calls. Um, he is very familiar with kind of what's going on in the background in regards to the Big Ten and uh potential new additions uh from the pac-12 and i met, uh, reached out to him i asked him if he'd love to come onto the podcast and elaborate a little bit and uh here he is so but please click on that article because it was so well done
0: thank you yeah it feels it feels like this could be the last stand of pac-12 mm-hmm. after dark with some late night uh, regents meetings uh so let's get into where the pac-12 is at at this particular moment
2: yeah, so as of 7.39 p.m. God's time zone, as we're talking here, that's, that's central, <laughs> of course, um, the, we're, 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 we should have some sort of resolution within the next 36 hours. What we have here on the, um, the Big 12 side is that the Big 12 has aggressively pursued Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Uh, they are interested in the Big 12 in roughly that order. There is uh, dissatisfaction with the exposure and the amount of money in the final uh, Pac-12 proposed television deal. Grafkoff uh, and company are working furiously to try to spin up something a little bit better in the next eight hours. But the Arizona Board of Regents is meeting tonight. Uh, they could potentially vote as early as tomorrow. Um, and uh, there's, a I would say, a good chance. It's not not. 100 percent, there's a good chance all three of those schools leave um, here in Rosemont uh, or just, you know, just outside of Chicago, a Big Ten headquarters. Uh, there is a continuation of conversations that have been happening for the last year about Oregon and Washington yesterday the beginning of those conversations was a small group of big 10 presidents. I know Michigan's president was involved. Ohio state doesn't have a permanent president at the moment. I don't, I don't know who the other three were, uh, but they were uh, having a conversation about four potential candidates from the PAC 12, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. As of right now, not perb, not just what Pete Thamel and the athletic are saying. I, I've heard this as well. The conversations really centering around Oregon and Washington and the, the internally Big Ten's trying to figure out um, do we make a move here after the, 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 there's, a, there's an exodus out of the Pac-12? Uh, do we try to go sooner? And then how do we make the money work? Um, because that's gonna require bringing in another television partner, and it's gonna require some pretty difficult uh, conversations about who is going to play in those late night games. Um, there is, you know, Pac-12 after dark is valuable because it's after dark. And Pac-12, Big Ten after dark is more valuable because it's going to involve Big Ten teams, which are which have a larger audience. But that means that the game has to be played late at night, which sucks if you live in Chicago like I do. It sucks more if you live in Columbus or, or or Maryland or New Jersey and have to you know have get, wait for a 10 p.m. Eastern kickoff or a a 9:30 tip-off uh, for basketball. So there's a lot of horse trading that has to happen. It might not happen. Um, I can also confirm that the Big Ten's been getting information on Oregon and Washington for a year, right? I had reported, McMurphy reported last summer, um, Navigate, big TV consulting companies, several attorneys, representatives from both of those schools met with lawyers from the Big Ten in Chicago uh, to talk about that. So we're going to see who pulls the trigger first. Um, and uh, you know, and if the Big Ten decides to expand, if the Pac-12 can, can, uh, can survive on the knife's edge, but uh, there should be some resolution before the end of the weekend.
1: Interesting. So you say now it's mainly focused on Oregon and Washington.
2: Yes, that's correct.
1: Because earlier, you know, uh, Cal and Stanford were uh, also mentioned, but, you know, you know, it it didn't do much for me. So this update actually makes me a little more excited. Uh, I'm okay with Oregon and Washington. I understand the floor that they bring, you know, at least they're trying on the field with the other two California teams. I I feel like I'm not sure their athletic departments want to make the commitment. On the field, to put out a good product, so I just wasn't sure what value that they brought. But uh.
2: the, the the principal appeal is twofold, because you're right. You know, I'm 36. Cal has been butt in premier sports for almost my entire life, outside of a mm. few Jetford years. Stanford uh, has been up and down, but mostly down uh, in football and basketball. The appeal, initial appeal, was one academic prestige. Right. Big Ten presidents love to get all huffy about how right. the conference is full of warrior poets with thirty fives on their ACT. And, and, and there's there's some there's some, uh, you know, glow to be shared from rubbing shoulders with Count Stanford. But the other reason is to save money on travel. If you just add Oregon and Washington, you don't actually cut back on travel expenses for the conference as a whole. You make life easier for the L.A. schools in terms of travel. Flying 1,000 miles from Portland to Los Angeles is a pain in the butt, but it's still the Pacific time zone. It's much harder on athletes to go from Pacific to Central or Pacific to East. But if you add two more Western teams, that means more trips across country for everybody else. If you have six, you can pot up. You can more regionally schedule so the Illinois and the Northwesterns and the Iowas don't have to travel West as often. The math doesn't really work on that because – there's no Cal or Stanford fans in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, and, and ESPN and NBC don't want to pay the extra tonnage to bring those in. But that's why they mm-hmm. were part of the original conversation.
0: That makes so sense. moving forward, what happens to the schools named Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State as of this moment?
2: Um, as of this moment, they are in a real pickle. Right, Stanford and Cal, they can't get in. The, they, if they're not getting in the Big Ten, they're not getting in anywhere. Um, and those two schools are in a unique position where they could potentially function as independents if they wanted to. Stanford's endowment, obviously an endowment's not a checking account. But if they wanted to tap into that a little bit, they could just buy the freaking Pac-12. Like, they, they have money. Um, they, they, and, and, and they have an annual game with Notre Dame. They, they have some cashier. People want to play in the Bay Area. They could, they could function. Um, I'm working on reporting on it. They could put their other sports in the WCC. You know, maybe you play basketball with Gonzaga. You're not making a lot of money, but it's not like you're winning anything anyway. Who cares? Um, It would be unlikely to me that they would accept an invitation to the Mountain West because of the academic and and snobbery, quite frankly, of those schools, right? They don't want to be seen as having to play the poors at New Mexico and Wyoming, who are, you know, got 22s on their ACT and voted for Republicans and are not doing the research that Stanford's doing, right? They'd rather go independent. Uh, Washington State and Oregon State, that's your option. And you could call that league the Mountain West. You could call it the Pac-12. You could call it the Pacific Northwest Conference. Whatever you want to call it, you're not in the power five anymore. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, the, if the Pac-12, as we know, it disintegrates, which I think is bad for college sports. But I don't know if you guys have ever been to Pullman. Like, if we were creating power conferences now, we wouldn't pick the team that's, you know, two football punts away from Idaho. Yeah.
1: Speaking of that team... Um... Last year, obviously, uh, when the UCLA-USC uh, merger was announced, you know there was a lot of talk that USC didn't want to bring the other teams with it, uh, mainly the ones we're talking about right now, Oregon and Washington. So that's still the that's same. True.
2: That's, that's true. But here's the thing. USC doesn't have a formal vote because their ass isn't in the conference right. yet. <laughs> um, and, right. and this is the same thing, right? And, and listen, they only get one vote anyway. UCLA only gets one vote. And uh, you get overruled. And, and the reason yeah. that they didn't want it is, is they want to monopolize the recruiting and media exposure and power of the Los Angeles market. And if you're not sharing that with anybody else in the West, then for every recruit that lives in Southern California, for any sport, you tell them, if you want to play games in, California, in Southern California, so mom and dad and me, mom and, and pop pop can come watch you, you got to play into the Big Ten. Or you got to slum it in the Big West, and you can go play Long Beach State. Um, and if Oregon or anybody else comes in there, and they're playing games in that market too, you lose the monopoly on that area. Now USC, if they're going to be, they're going to be able to recruit in Texas if they want to. You know, if they decide they want to be involved in recruiting Chicago or or Cleveland or Cincinnati, they probably could pick a kid or two there. But they see enormous value in monopolizing that. And given Oregon's brand and their money and their NIL activity it will make their recruiting jobs much harder if they get brought in. Um, But, you know, that's the breaks, baby. Like, that's you you knew that was a risk when you signed up for this and trying to expedite for super conferences. You knew that super conferences might get created.
0: Final one for you, Matt. Um, We talked a lot about the West Coast, and Florida State has been making a big-time fuss as of late. They have a lot of complaints, but what is their solution? Because the grant of rights is still a – Pretty locked down legal document uh, right now, but what happens in the future? Is it as strong as I laid it out, or
2: Um, before I answer that question, just for my benefit, what is the House rule on swearing on this podcast?
0: Go for it. Go
2: for it. We don't care. The solution is to bitch and moan uh, until they can to, to make their own people raise more raise more money because they if they if they had a legal out right now they would do it. It costs half a billion dollars to get out of that document right now. And you're even seeing a couple of these athletic directors in the ACC, like Bubba Cunningham in North Carolina got on the radio and did this today. And in, you know, his words were like, I'm just a little bit confused with what Florida state's doing right now. And, and, you know, I don't think that's a, that's being a good partner in it's head. It's like, man, fuck you. Like if you're going to do it, do it. Right. right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Sanction me with your army. Oh, you don't have an army. You better shut the fuck up thing. Right. Like that's, yeah. That's that's what this is. And it's it's normally frustrating, enormously frustrating. The other weird thing about this is that Florida State, as of right this second, doesn't even have a home. The uh, SEC is lukewarm at best about bringing them in. It doesn't have no television market. And one of the the big issues on the Big Ten, and I'm telling you, as somebody whose entire job is to talk to professors and university presidents and athletic directors and consultants about this stuff for a living. This is not me being a political partisan. This is me telling you the honest to God truth. The Big Ten presidents don't want to fuck with Ron DeSantis right now, and they don't want a Florida public institution where the higher ed governance is becoming extraordinarily politicized. And that isn't just an R&D issue so much as it is a governor, a governor being willing to overrule the idea of home rule on uh, campus rule uh, for how a university is run and put that into the centralized arms of the state. If, if our, our governor here in Illinois decided he wanted to do that, too, and push Illinois in a more progressive direction, or UIC in a more progressive direction, that would cause concern there, too. Because you have to have shared governance of the conference with presidents. It's not athletic directors. It's not coaches. It's not players. It's presidents. Like, you guys all remember what happened with COVID in this conference, where we had very conservative and very progressive university presidents and governing boards and regents it nearly tore this league apart. Now imagine you're bringing in a school that has no shared cultural history, no shared geographic history, no shared institutional history with this league where the governor is trying to use higher education for culture war stuff. And what if there's, there is there is some kind of LGBTQ issue in, in college athletics or trans athletes in sports uh, in athletics or uh, letting some undocumented uh, athlete play here and the governor's office in Tallahassee is, is, is sending something to Florida State. If you're if you're the president of Illinois, if you're the chancellor of Michigan, it, it's not worth it, man. It's just like, that's why you're not fucking inviting Liberty or BYU um, uh, for, for any of this. Like the juice isn't worth the squeeze. And so this is the worst time for Florida State to be agitating for this because if the SEC isn't grabbing you and if the Big Ten wants to wait and, and quite frankly could get most of the benefits of Florida State by just inviting Miami, who's a private school and is a, you know, a 25% international student campus that has very different governing structures, they're going to do that. This All of this reads to me as an athletic director and a president and a couple of regents who are just filling their diapers over the fact that Wake Forest put them in a dumpster on national television, and they're convinced that they need an extra $60 million to fix that.
1: I'm a well, little mad. I, I didn't even think <laughs> about that. <laughs>
2: Most most people don't. And I'm, I'm, I'm sympathetic to this idea of we got to keep politics out of sports. But, like, guys, it's public schools like, and how those schools are funded and how they recruit and, and what they do with that money is explicitly political. And it's always matter.
1: Is there any chance for Florida State to leave solo or are they counting on someone else? Does it does it need another school? Well, you know, it doesn't look like it's been North Carolina, but you know, whether it's Clemson or someone else I mean, to look, fight the G.R. Yeah,
2: there's there's six or seven other schools I would like to leave if they thought they had a landing spot. Um, mm. Some of them might, some of them probably don't. But the, 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 the fundamental question here isn't, like, that. your case isn't better if Clemson joins you. The, quest- the case is, one, do you have a legal argument to challenge the validity of the grant of rights agreement? Um, I have talked to very smart attorneys who bill $500 an hour who said, there might be some, but it will be very expensive and you might lose in court. And if you lose in court, that could be financially debilitating to your department. But maybe that exists. That is, maybe that's the thing they decide to do. Or you pay the check. Does Florida State have a half billion dollars? No, they don't. Florida State was a women's college that, you know, it does not have the engineering and law and professional services schools and that money that Florida does. Like Florida State's big booster is like the Spanx CEO. They don't. Texas didn't have a half billion dollars to buy out. So for me, I look at it like either file the depositions, file the motions, and let's let's see what the lawyers say or the judges say, or cut the check. But otherwise, it's, it's, otherwise you're, you're just message board posting into a microphone. It doesn't matter.
0: So, Matt, you have a lot of great journalism on Extra Points, and you also have a sweet game uh, called Athletic Director Simulator 3000. Can you uh, talk about that uh, game for a quick second?
2: Yeah, I, I, I would love to. I am a reporter by trade. I'm not a software developer. But uh, you know, in addition to you know writing things for regular fans um, and, and for many administrators who read extra points, we also work a lot with, with college students, with uh, people that are studying sports management or think they might want to work in the industry. So we're always thinking about different ways to explain some of these complicated topics about politics and media rights and all these things to make it accessible to a 20-year-old. Well, and that's why we, we ended up making this computer game it's it's a, it's a java game it's, it's built to look like the oregon trail you know black and green graphics if you want to hear on wisconsin and 8-bit audio so it's coming out of like a game Boy <laughs> kind of thing or 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 the, the michigan fight song we have all that's in there and what we did is we have over a hundred scenarios that we vetted with actual ad's and coaches and people that work in this industry that an athletic director might reasonably face whether you're leading a school like illinois or leading a school like western illinois right and and, and those things mm-hmm. might be different the the player has to balance your school's budget your school's uh, director's cup ranking you know, your performance on the field and your support your support from your president from your donors from your coaches like the, the holistic support and we built the game in a way where there's no right answers it's meant to be realistic. There's a couple of jokes in there, but but it's the, even the jokes are grounded in reality. But um, even the right decision could fail, and you could have a terrible uh, you know process and end up with a positive result. Just like when schools hire Bobby Petrino, sometimes it works for a couple of years. You can hire Hugh Freeze, and it work. It might work for a little while. We know how it's going to end eventually. But it, you know it, it could be a defensible choice in, in the short term. So no two playthroughs will ever be exactly the same. And I think it will demonstrate that running a, an athletic department can be very difficult because you're not in control of, uh, of, of of how things go, even if you make the right choice for your budget uh, or for your hiring decision. It's been out for a couple of weeks, and we've gotten a lot of really positive feedback from fans, and even from some ads who have played it and said, "Yeah, this is uh, it's not it's this is this is surprisingly realistic."
0: Do you have a uh, radical governor mode?
2: <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, we, we we are working on building in something similar to that. Like, if, if you're a Big Ten fan, there'll be a couple of things. Where I'm like, that, that sounds familiar. Um, like, I'll, I'll give an example. Like, if, if you guys followed the news the past couple of years, you might remember the story out of Florida Atlantic. Uh, a couple of years ago, they wanted to uh, get a naming rights sponsor for their stadium because the school's kind of broke, right? And their biggest donor was like, I would love to be the naming rights sponsor for your stadium. Here's $2 million. But that dude made all of his money in private prisons. And they were gonna name the stadium after private prison. And people were like, okay, we're gonna call it Alcatraz. Right? <laughs> um, and they did that with a straight face for five days until all of the faculty and a bunch of students said, like, what are you thinking? This is terrible. i then the school back down. And I remember talking to a couple of ADs about this. I'm like, what if we change this up? Like, what if the head of Brazzers? called you up i wanted to give you 800 grand um but you know his name was going to be on the stadium and everybody knows that he's in the porn industry and i had a couple ladies like don't kill me on this i take the money <laughs> right like you know that's or or no it probably depends on what school you're at right if you're at byu you obviously can't do it if you're in louisiana <laughs> maybe you can't <laughs> um but but you know we, we joke you know i'm exaggerating a little bit that's a real issue we know if you follow Illinois State, like they've had to take money from a guy who was a scumbag um, because beggars can't always be choosers for, for, for who you're raising your money from. Um, and and that's, that's, a, that's a real scenario that real administrators have to deal with.
1: You know, as someone who's invested, and I'm talking, it's probably close to a thousand uh, hours into a football manager, championship yeah. manager, out of the park baseball, front office football, this game, like I can't wait to check it out myself. I was yeah. made for, it, especially teenage me. Um, I, I, you know, I, I can't wait to check it out. Where can uh, people find this game, and where can people find you, Matt?
2: They can find all of my work on our website, extrapointsmb.com. You can subscribe to the Extra Points newsletter there for free. You get two newsletters a week. You gotta get access to. A lot of the other supplemental work that we're doing. We are a reader-supported publication, and with a premium subscription that's 8 bucks a month, you get access to all of our newsletters. We send four uh, each week. Some of them are commentary. Some are original reporting. Get you access to Athletic Director Simulator 3000. You can find it on there. It's, it's paywall for our subscribers. And starting next week, you'll also have access to our FOILA directory, which is a huge directory of coaching contracts, shoe deal contracts, athletic director contracts, institutional budget reports so if you want to know how much uh, the Illinois makes from ticket sales for basketball or how much what the buyout is for whatever coach or who's paying what for Nil consulting for whatever reason you got all that stuff there too it's just eight bucks extra pointsnb.com
0: Matt I want to thank you for your time and thank you for your um your interest in coming onto the Atlantic Cast.
2: yep yeah you bet take care fellas appreciate you having me on
0: have a good one Matt and that was the IlliniCast podcast. Uh, first part was talking about the top five things we're most excited about for training camp. And then we had Mount Brown, who we thank for coming on. Sonny, what a great show.
1: It was a great show. Uh, don't forget, if you want access to two tickets to the first game of the season, show me proof that you subscribe to our YouTube page, DM it to me, at Illini cast and i'll enter you in a drawing and maybe a week before kickoff i'll uh, pull a name out and uh, you might have a chance to go watch them
0: all right sunny it was a pleasure and i hope you have a outstanding weekend
1: all right awesome go cubs go cubs <laughs>